Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, July 14th. Coming up, as home tests for COVID-19 have become easier to buy and use, fewer people are reporting their results to Missouri health officials. But officials are using wastewater to figure out where the virus is spreading. And this is really one of the only ways that you can really see what's happening in the community because you know, not everyone's getting tested, but everyone's using the toilet. Plus, following a high-profile shooting on Sunday, how does Kansas City plan to address gun violence? But first, some headlines. Panasonic will build a $4 billion manufacturing plant in DeSoto, Kansas, to make electric vehicle batteries. It's the culmination of a long-running project where lawmakers approved an incentive package without publicly naming the company. Governor Laura Kelly says it's the largest economic development in state history. Innovations happening right here in Kansas will accelerate the future of electric vehicles on a global scale. The plant could create 4,000 direct jobs and another 4,000 jobs at suppliers and related businesses. Lawmakers approved tax incentives for Panasonic that could top $1 billion. Those hinge on the development and job creation. Oklahoma had also been competing with Kansas to get the plant. Kansas City officials will debate how to increase public safety in busy areas after a shooting in Westport resulted in one death and several injuries. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The city council is considering an ordinance that would use American Rescue Plan funds to increase security in Westport, the Country Club Plaza, and the 18th and Vine District. The extra security would be provided by off-duty officers from the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. Several council members were concerned whether federal funds should be used to pay for more off-duty officers in those areas, or whether other options, like improving lighting and infrastructure, could also be effective measures. The city council will hold off on a final decision until they can convene Westport business owners and residents. Starbucks workers at the 39th Street location in Independence went on strike yesterday in protest of the company's alleged unfair labor practices. Workers say Starbucks union-busting tactics, like cutting the hours of union employees, make them ineligible for travel coverage for abortions and gender-affirming care. Skylar Mickey says most workers at the cafe can't afford to travel out of Missouri for that health care. Any worker here who's capable of being pregnant or is in need of like gender-affirming care is definitely at risk here with these benefits being threatened just for being part of a union store. The strike was planned at the same time as Planned Parenthood's national walkout against the overturning of Roe v. Wade. As fewer people are getting tested for the coronavirus, Missouri health officials are still finding the virus in sewers. Scientists say wastewater shows the increasing presence of different variants. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports that the project is one of the most accurate ways to measure the COVID-19 threat. The Bissell Point Sewage Treatment Plant in North St. Louis cleans and treats everything that comes down the pipes when people on the city's north side flush the toilet. But in the last two years, the plant has also become a vital public health tool for monitoring the coronavirus, and thousands of people throughout the region are submitting samples every day. 
This is really one of the only ways that you can really see what's happening in the community because, you know, not everyone's getting tested, but everyone's using the toilet. That's Bess McCoy, a spokeswoman for the Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District. When someone's infected with the coronavirus, portions of the virus show up in their feces. The samples aren't contagious, but they are useful. Regular sewage testing can show how prevalent the virus is in the community and identify new dangerous strains. McCoy shows me the plant's pump station, one of the first stops for sewage water, after it gets flushed down the toilet. After the sewage is run through a pool outside to filter out debris, it flows into a tank where the sample is taken multiple times an hour. Actually, the sampler right here, you can see it looks like just like a tablespoon that uh, scoops in there. Um, it's going to dip down in there and drop that sample into what looks like a, a little refrigerator. The tiny bit of brownish water drops into a clear container about the size of a milk jug. Once those jugs in the pump house fill up, they're carted across the property to a lab. I'm looking to make sure I didn't overfill the bottom of the tubes. <laughs> a worker decants the water into smaller tubes, packs them into boxes with ice packs, and hands them off to a courier who drives the samples to Columbia and Jefferson City Labs where they'll be tested. MSD Assistant Director Jay Hoskins says Missouri has one of the most widespread sewer shed monitoring programs in the country. Something along 60 to 70 percent of the population is in the sewer shed sampling program. He says unlike other public health measures, wastewater testing was a relatively cheap and effective way for the state to get a lot of information at once because plants were already sampling water. Um, the state knew that and was able to tap into that infrastructure, that um, personnel, that knowledge. Right now, the state and its partners at the University of Missouri are monitoring around 100 sites. An online dashboard shows if the amount of COVID particles in wastewater is increasing, decreasing, or staying the same. Hoskins says that information is more important now that people are using rapid tests. More people are taking at-home tests. Those at-home tests are not being reported to the health department. Mark Johnson is the leader of the Wastewater Testing Lab at Mizzou and one of the people who spearheaded the state's testing campaign. He says health departments really are using the information to make decisions. For example, a health department could use a sewer shed map to figure out where to focus a mobile vaccination campaign. I always call it a reality check on where things really are. If numbers are going up or down, you, they want to know, is that a fluke or is that really what's happening? But the practice is not without its challenges. Aparna Keshavaya studies wastewater epidemiology for research firm Mathematica and the Rockefeller Foundation. She says at small facilities, there aren't always people to decode or share data with other departments, and many still rely on other metrics, like traditional case counts, to make policy decisions. Money could also become an issue. Wastewater testing relies largely on funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and it's unclear if the agency will continue to fund it in the years to come. Keshavaya says that's worrisome for smaller plants with shoestring staffs and budgets. Right now, we need to kind of use the momentum of the pandemic and ramp up capacity at state labs, at universities, at commercial labs, testing for a variety of things that could threaten public health. She hopes state and federal officials see the promise of studying sewage, which can be used to study other diseases and even opioid addiction. And regular people can keep doing their part, too. All they have to do is flush the toilet. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio.
Dozens of people this year have died in shootings in Kansas City, including at the Westport Ale House on Sunday. City Manager Brian Platt told KCUR's Steve Kraske on Up to Date that one big factor is easy access to guns. Here's part of their conversation about how the city is trying to address gun violence. Any more light you can shed uh, on the events in Westport early Monday morning outside the Ale House? What happened there, Brian? Yeah, I think it's a little too soon for us to know exactly what's going on. The uh, State Highway Patrol is handling the investigation, and uh, they will probably report to us as soon as they've got more information on that. What what does this portend for the World Cup matches that Kansas City will host in a few years if shootings like this continue? I mean, we have got a problem here, and it could cause us problems with the World Cup and other events down the road. Agreed. It's not sustainable. It's something that we have to prioritize at the top of our list at this point, but I'm hopeful. Yeah, but we've been facing this problem for a lot of years, and we still haven't fixed it. That's fair, and there's just a need to do something different, and that was the case with these things that we, again, street resurfacing and snow removal, decades-long issues that we face here in Kansas City, and we've made a lot of positive progress and headway over the last 19 months or so since I've been here. What's the different that we're going to try here? There are so many different uh, interventional strategies and techniques that we can utilize in something like this to get ahead of crime, to uh, reach out to at-risk communities and at-risk individuals. There are ways that we can make our streets visibly more safer. We can deploy our our police resources in different ways to uh, be more efficient with them, but also put them exactly where we need them in certain places. Are, are those kinds of changes in the works right now? Absolutely. Uh, we've got a great interim chief in Joe Mabin. He is a fantastic leader. We are so confident in his abilities uh, to lead this department and to make the changes that we need. He is technically interim. We hope he'll stay for a long time. What's one of the first things that residents might begin to notice with these changes that you're talking about? We we hope you're going to see a more visible police presence in areas that people are concerned about. There are going to be more police cars, police officers, police apparatus, and and, uh, and all types of things related to the police in those high pedestrian traffic areas. You're going to see cameras. You're going to see more action. And hopefully that will deter the things that we don't want in those places. You know, one of the things that struck me about the alehouse shooting, you know, there were three off-duty Kansas City police officers inside that building uh, providing security for the alehouse that night. And yet that seemed to have no impact on uh, staving off this kind of event. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest challenges, and the mayor said this yesterday a few times, uh, that is the access to guns. It's just a, a conflict that escalates with no weapons is a lot harder to have injuries compared to one that everyone has a weapon on them. And what about this concerns that these shootings are happening in places where thousands of Kansas Cityans often travel? We're talking to T-Mobile Center. We're talking Westport here. That has to add a layer of anxiety to all this. It, it absolutely does. But I'll note that Shootings like this occur much more frequently in other parts of the city, and we don't talk about it enough. We have shootings every week in Kansas City. We have murders every week in Kansas City, and it's awful. But unfortunately, the only time we're talking about it on a show like this and other places is when it happens in a place that it affects other people. And so it's a, it's a very complicated issue that we've got to deal with, and we need to take a lot of aggressive action on this. Just to cut to the quick here, if guns are the issue and the state legislature will do nothing to restrict the number of guns in the state of Missouri, 
Where does that leave us? Well, look, it, it's one of the ways that we can take action and try to reduce crime here uh, and, and some of these uh, acts of violence. But there are lots of other things that I mentioned earlier that we can start to think about. Being a little more aggressive and proactive, getting in front of the communities and the individuals that we know are perpetrators or might be at risk of committing certain acts, uh, and figuring out what it is we can do to help better support them. Is it social services? Is it jobs? Is it education? Is it mental health support? There are so many things we can do to get ahead of it, and also to make our neighborhoods and our streets uh, physically and structurally more safe. We have a program in the city aimed at curtailing violence before it occurs. Uh, there's been talk that City Hall is going to beef up the number of violence interrupters, as they're yep. called. Where do we stand with that program? Yeah, we're, we're about to make some announcements on this very soon, actually, that we're not only going to expand that program, we're going to add other programs and fill in some of the other gaps in there to make sure that we're doing this at the largest and, and most widespread level that we can. There's been a lot of reticence to go in this direction over the years. I guess concerns that you can't prove This organization can't prove that it stopped a homicide from occurring, but it seems like the thinking has changed on that. Well, look, you know, at this point, we've got to try something. We've got to try something different. And this is one of the ways we're going to do that. That was KCUR's Steve Kraske and city manager of Kansas City, Brian Platt. You can hear their entire conversation at KCUR.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Sarah's story about COVID wastewater testing, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.